Hey, hello, church. How's everybody today? Anybody glad it's summertime? Uh-huh. Woohoo! I'm excited about summertime, all right? And uh, we're so glad that you're here today, whether you're on campus live or if you're visiting with us online today. Uh, we just want to say thank you for checking out Epic today. Uh, we love having friends and family, and we love having guests. And uh, this is a great crowd for a, for a June in, this, in the summertime. So, so, so grateful that you're here today. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And I've had the opportunity over the past couple of weeks just to kind of help us unpack and talk a little bit about this idea of the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you, if you missed the last couple of weeks, to go back to any of our social media platforms. You can go to our website where we archive all our sermon series. And, and I'd encourage you just to kind of go listen to last week's uh, or last couple of weeks' messages, not because I'm teaching them, but because there's some amazing stuff that we've learned about um, the kingdom of God. So what we're doing today is we're going to wrap up this particular talk. And in case you missed um, the first couple of weeks, let me just kind of remind us of where we've been um, so far. In part number one, we talked about uh, the idea of the kingdom of God in general and what Jesus meant when he talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, I believe the scripture teaches in the New Testament part of our Bible that one aspect of the kingdom of God has to do with those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, those of us who have surrendered our lives to him, asked him to forgive us of our sins and invited him into our life to lead us and guide us. There is an element of our life that we should surrender to him uh, to allow him to lead us and guide us. The Bible says to allow him to be Lord and King in our daily lives. So the kingdom of God has to do simply with us allowing Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, the one who loves us, the one who saved us, uh, to lead us and guide us, to allow him to rule and reign in every aspect of our life. And that's what we talked about uh, in part number one. We talked about the idea of, of the message of Jesus' kingdom. And in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was the very first public message that he gave to his audience. And this idea of repentance has to do with us confessing sin in our life that, that we engage in from time to time. And let's face it, on this side of eternity, as human beings, nobody's perfect, right? Is there anybody perfect in the house today? Anybody got it all figured out? If you do, I want to meet you after the service because I want to make an appointment with you this week and learn how to live life uh, the way that you live life, okay? Because I'm not perfect. Um, uh, I have faults. I have failures. I make mistakes. I do things that, that break the heart of God. And, and the Bible says that I can confess those sins. When God reveals them to me, I can confess those sins. I can repent of them, which just simply means to turn away from them and to continue to pursue my relationship uh, with Jesus. Uh, in part two, we talked about an invitation that Jesus extends to anybody and everybody. And we looked at Matthew chapter four and a few verses down there around verse 18, 19, and 20, where Jesus took a walk along the Sea of the Galilee as he began his public ministry and he extended an invitation to everyday average ordinary people. They were fishermen. And the invitation was real simple. It was real clear. There was no confusion about it. It was two words. Anybody remember what those two words were? What were they? Follow me. Follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. And we talked about the importance of, 
of recognizing our assignment as Christ followers. Because let's face it, we all, as Christ followers, are on assignment for Jesus. And we're going to take that one step further today. And we're going to talk about what I call uh, the impact of Jesus's kingdom today. The impact of Jesus's kingdom. What I want to do is I want to begin in Matthew chapter 13 today, and I want to read two really short parables that Jesus taught as he was talking about his kingdom, as he was talking about the idea of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And if you know anything about the New Testament part of your Bible, especially in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they give different accounts of the ministry in the life of Jesus. And over and over, Jesus would talk about and he would teach and he would tell stories and he would use illustrations that his audience could understand. And we know them as, as parables. A parable is just a simple story that uh, uses an earthly illustration, but it has a heavenly meaning. It has a spiritual principle uh, that we can learn something from. So Jesus today, we're going to look at two short parables and and I'm going to give you two simple observations. And what I hope to do today uh, from scripture is to wrap around that some handles that we can all grab on today and take with us as we go do life this week. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, uh, I want to especially encourage you to lean into what we're going to talk about today. Um, If you don't have a relationship with Christ, our desire is that you would come to know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Uh, The greatest decision that you can ever make is to say yes to the God who made you and created you, who has a great plan for your life, who wants to be in relationship with you, who wants to help you navigate life on this side of eternity, and who ultimately wants you to spend eternity with him in a perfect place called heaven forever and ever. And I hope that today you will discover some things about the God who made you and created you so that your life can have meaning and significance on this side of eternity, okay? So we're gonna begin in Matthew chapter number 13. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. If you don't, that's okay. We're gonna throw some stuff on the screen. Uh, If you just don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to do two things. Number one, you can either pick up a Bible that we have available for you at the back of each of your seating sections on the tables there. They're free. It's our gift to you. It's just our way of saying thank you for being here today. And if you need a copy of a Bible, you're welcome to take one of those. Another thing that you can do is download on your smart device, uh, the YouVersion Bible app. And there's some great resources there where you can not only read the Bible, you can even have it read to you, but you can also engage in some practical tools and some things that will help you uh, in your daily Bible reading, okay? But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13 today, and we're going to start in verse number 31, and we're just going to read verse 31, 32, and 33, all right? So if you're ready, say, "Uh uh-huh. All right, here we go. You guys are listening. I love it. All right, Matthew 13, verse 31. Here's what Jesus said. He said, he, this is Jesus, presented another parable to them. And then he said this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the vegetables and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky can come and nest in its branches. Verse 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until it spread through all of it. 
two real simple things that Jesus is using to illustrate that people in Jesus's day could illustrate. And we don't have time today to unpack all that Jesus was explaining in these two little parables. But what I do want to do today is I want to make two observations based on what we know about what Jesus said about the mustard seed, which if I were to, to, to bring a mustard seed on stage today and put it on the end of my thumb and try to show it to you today, you would have a very hard time seeing that mustard seed. Uh, matter of fact, it would be almost like a speck of, of pepper uh, if, you're a, if you're a pepper person, all right? If you were to take some black pepper and pour it out on the counter today, you take one of those little specks and put it on your thumbprint, that would be about the size uh, of, a, of a mustard seed. So Jesus talks about a mustard seed and he talks about some, some yeast. And what I want to help us understand today uh, is, is how these two simple things can help us understand the role that we play specifically as Christ followers within the kingdom of God. Remember, the kingdom of God is about allowing Jesus to rule and reign in our life. It's about being on assignment for him in our daily lives where we follow him as Lord and King. So, so I think it's important that we understand what that role really is all about as it relates to uh, growing the kingdom of God on this side of eternity. And here's the first observation I want us to, uh, to see today based on these two simple parables, all right? Number one is that anywhere that we have influence is an opportunity for us to have impact. Anywhere that we have influence is an opportunity for us to have impact. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, that tiny little seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it's grown, look here what happens. It's taller than the vegetables and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky can come and nest in its branches. In other words, that one little tiny seed that seems so small and so insignificant when it's sown into a field, and in, in this particular instance, the field there is representative of the world that we live in. When that seed is sown into the world, it has the potential to grow into a tree that's large enough and big enough that another one of God's creations, the birds and the fowls of the air, can actually move into that tree, create its own nest, and, and be a place that they can inhabit. And to me, it's amazing how God's creation works and how God takes care of everything that, that he created. So let me ask you a question today. Where do you have influence? Where are some places or who are some people that you have influence with today? How many of you are going to get up and go to work tomorrow? You're still in the workforce. Let me see your hands, okay? All right, I'm gonna get up and go to work tomorrow. Guess what? Wherever that place of business is for you, guess what? You have influence. Maybe you're retired and you're at a stage in life where, where you don't have to get up and go to work, but, but maybe you live in a neighborhood or a community. If you live in Palm Coast proper, there's a high probability there's a large amount of people who live within a stone's throw of your address. If that's you, guess what? You have influence. There are people that God has placed around you to where you have influence. And if you have influence, guess what? You can make impact. 
You might have a family, you might have a spouse or children. Maybe some of you are, are helping to raise or are raising. You're a parent or a guardian to your, to your grandchildren or you've adopted some children in, into your home. Some of you are foster parents. Guess what? Wherever you have influence is an opportunity for you to have impact. And that little mustard seed that's planted in the ground has the capacity to grow into a tree that provides covering and provides safety to the birds and the fowls of the air. It also says the same thing about the, about the yeast. He told them another parable, verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until it spread through all of it. Now, I don't know, I'm not a baker, okay? I've never made any bread. My mother-in-law is an amazing cook. She makes homemade bread, because I can understand this a little bit. But here's what I do know, 50 pounds of flour, that's a lot of flour. That'll make a lot of bread. I mean, if you like bread, I like bread. It's one of my favorites, all right? Uh, 50 pounds of flour will make a lot of bread. And the Bible says it's a little bit of yeast that permeates all of that flour and makes it grow and makes it multiply. So with that in mind, let's go back to our primary passage of scripture, which we began a couple of weeks ago in Matthew chapter number four. And I want us to read today about what I call the impact of Jesus' kingdom, all right? The, the impact of Jesus' kingdom. In Matthew chapter four, verse 23, after Jesus goes and recruits his, his, his followers, after he's presented the message of his kingdom, verse 23 says that Jesus was going all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the what? Of the kingdom, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those who were suffering from various diseases and intense pains and demon-possessed, the epileptics and the paralytics, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan River. I want you to notice three words in, in Matthew chapter four, verse 23. The first word is the word teaching. It says that Jesus went throughout all the region teaching. What was he teaching? He was teaching the good news of his kingdom. He was teaching people the principles that, uh, that, that they should live by to experience the best outcome in life that God has for them. The Bible says he also went about preaching. He was preaching the good news of the gospel message. He was declaring himself to be the Messiah that the nation of Israel had been looking for for thousands and thousands of years. And he proclaimed himself to be the son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And he also went around healing. So teaching, preaching, and healing is what the Bible says that Jesus did as part of his kingdom assignment while he was here on this earth. Uh, in today's verbiage, we would call that Jesus's ministry. We would call that his, his earthly ministry. And here's the point that I wanna make from those few verses of scripture. And I wanna encourage you to go back and read them sometime today. Matter of fact, if you'll pick up our spiritual growth challenge on your way out or you're downloaded, uh, you're gonna have a lot of opportunity to read what Jesus said about the kingdom of God and the parables that he taught in Matthew chapter 13 and, and some surrounding chapters there. But uh, the point that I want us to see about Matthew chapter four, verses 23 through 25, is that the kingdom of God very clearly 
is about making a contribution with our lives. It's about making a contribution with our lives. This is what we call in the church world, our ministry. All right, this is what God has, 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 has assigned for us to be engaged in. And it's one of the fundamental purposes of, of which God, I believe, created every human being. I believe he created us for some fundamental foundational things. And I believe one of the top five is that God created all human beings to be engaged in what we call ministry. We weren't created just to eat and breathe and consume and take up space. We were created to make a contribution with our lives. And Jesus, it's very clear that Jesus's ministry, we, the Bible says he went around all of Jerusalem and Judea and Decapolis and Samaria, the, uh, his sphere of influence. He ran around everywhere and he made a contribution. He made impact. In other words, God has something that he wants us to give back to the people around us. Another observation that I would make from these two simple parables is that the kingdom of God grows from small beginnings. The kingdom of God grows from small beginnings. And the things that we think maybe are insignificant or don't matter, and maybe you feel like your life is insignificant and doesn't matter, and you don't have a, a skill set that is off the charts and, and that people recognize, can I just tell you, you're exactly the kind of person that God loves to use. You're exactly the kind of person that Jesus is inviting into a relationship with him uh, to, to be on assignment, to make a contribution with your life. The kingdom of God grows from small beginnings. When you think about Jesus's life and the message of Jesus, the Bible says that God revealed himself to a little teenage girl named Mary. Nobody knew who Mary was. He said, Mary, I've chosen you. You're going to be the mother of my son. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to become pregnant as a virgin. You're going to give birth literally to the son of God. And here we are 2021 years after Jesus showed up on planet earth and Mary, Mary, Mary is a household name. Jesus was born where? He was born in a stable, wasn't he? He, he was born in a, in, a, in a feeding trough where animals ate. I'd say that's a pretty small beginning. I'd say that's a pretty humble beginning. But he grew up to be a man, all God and all man at the same time. And he was, he was perfect in every sense of the way. And he, he revealed himself as the perfect sinless son of God. And he, and he died on a cross and he was buried in a tomb and he resurrected from the grave, proving once and for all that he literally was God in the flesh. And that event is an event that has changed human history for thousands and thousands of years. It's the greatest event as far as I'm concerned in all of human history. It is the hope that we have on this side of eternity of knowing that Jesus did something that nobody else could ever do. And because he got up out of the grave, that means no matter what I face in life, I can have hope. I can experience peace. My life can have meaning. My life can have significance and I can make a contribution. I can make a difference with my life. And on top of that, one day I get to spend eternity in a perfect place called heaven forever and ever and ever. Whew, that's good. 
So the kingdom of God grows from small beginnings. You know what? We're sitting in a place that's an illustration of that. Regardless of how, you've been, how long you've been a part of Epic Church, you know what? We're an illustration that, that the kingdom of God grows from small beginnings. Because about 12 years ago, there was a small group of people who said, you know what, God? We want to make a difference in Flagler County and beyond. We literally want to touch the world with the gospel message of, of Jesus Christ. And here we are 12 years later, and we've grown and we made great impact. And, and, and that's all well and that's all good. But church, uh, it's not over. There's more to be done. And we must take our assignment seriously. We must take our place within the kingdom of God on this side of eternity and advance the message and the ministry of Jesus in our community and beyond. So here's what I want to do today. I want to give you some real quick. Uh, I want to give you three simple truths today. Really, these are handles. These are handles that I, take, we, uh, that I hope we can all take away with us today to help us realize and understand our place within the kingdom. And I would encourage you to make these some declarations that you can declare every single day, starting today. The first thing I want us to understand is that, uh, and I'm going to make this personal to me because I'm learning the value of making declarations in my life. And the way that my attitude goes when I make declaration in my life and the, the things that I'm able to, uh, to do and to stay focused on the main thing in my life. So I'm going to make these personal to me today, and I hope that you will do them for you as well. So, so the kingdom of God uh, is, is about these three simple truths in our daily life. Number one, I was created for ministry. The Bible tells me I was created for ministry. Uh, listen to what um, Ephesians chapter number two, verse 10 says. Ephesians two, verse 10, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's talking to the body of Christ. He's talking to Christians, Christ followers. He says, for we are his creation. His being God's creation. Jesus is our, is our creator. Colossians chapter one talks about that. It says, for we are his creation. That word creation there literally means workmanship or masterpiece. Let me stop right there for just a second. I don't know what your attitude about yourself is. My Bible's falling apart. I don't know what your attitude about yourself is, but if you don't have a very good self-esteem about yourself, you need to hang your hat on this right here. God says you are a masterpiece. You are his creation. You are his workmanship. And Paul says, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. Another way we could say that is for ministry. We are created for ministry, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them, so that we should behave like Jesus, so that we should make a contribution with our lives, so that we can make impact wherever we have influence. I was created for ministry. Uh, Jeremiah chapter one and verse number five. And uh, let me just read that to you from, uh, from our screen today, if we can. He, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, the prophet. He said, Jeremiah, I chose you. I formed you. Now, the way to say that is, Jeremiah, I created you 
in your mother's womb. I set you apart before you were born and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, your ministry to mankind, your contribution where you're going to have impact and influence is to the nations. And I'm going to give you a voice. That was, that was Jeremiah's ministry. So the Bible tells us as a, as a participant or as someone on assignment within the kingdom of God on this side of eternity, I am created for ministry. Number two, the Bible says that I am saved to share the gospel. I am saved to share the gospel. I, I want to read to you... Uh, a pastor scripture that has become very dear to me uh, over the last few months of the, as I've recovered from my, uh, from my heart, heart surgery back in January. And this is a pastor scripture that God gave me several months ago, and I've read it many times over the years. But there was something about it that just spoke to me and gave me uh, some things that I could hang on to and, and I could practice in my life. And, and I want to read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. And again, the, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing here to young Timothy. Uh, Timothy is kind of like his, his apprentice in the ministry. And Paul is, is, is mentoring him. And listen to what he says to young Timothy, who's about to begin his ministry, who's about to make his contribution uh, by leading a local group of believers. In verse 8, Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. In other words, Timothy, don't ever be ashamed about Jesus. Don't ever be ashamed of who Jesus is. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, his servant. Instead, he says, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. In other words, Timothy, you need to know and understand, you don't, you've never done anything to deserve salvation. You've never done anything as a human being to deserve to be forgiven of your sins. And salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is a free gift that God has extended to you and to me and to anybody else who would receive it. And he says, Timothy, don't be ashamed of that message. It's not about what you have done. It's about who God is and Jesus is and what he has done. He has given us forgiveness of our sins. This is how, excuse me, this has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus proved who he was when he got up out of the grave. Through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In other words, it's through the good news of the gospel message. If we will receive forgiveness of our sins, we will allow Jesus to be Lord and King in our life. He guarantees and he promises that one day we will become immortal. We're going to live beyond the grave. There's an eternity that God has prepared for people, and there's a place called heaven that God wants all people to spend eternity with him in. There's also a place called hell that the Bible says is for anybody who rejects the free, free gift of salvation. 
The Bible says God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity separated from him. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God created hell for Satan and his demons. He didn't create it for human beings. And you might say, well, Pastor Brian, how can a God of love send people to hell? Listen, God never sends anybody to hell. People choose to go there. Because God has done everything necessary for us to know Jesus, for us to be forgiven of our sins, for us to have a relationship with him, for us to make a contribution with our life, for us to spend eternity in a perfect place called heaven. It's a free gift, just like he told Timothy, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you just gotta reach out and take it and say, God, I want it. And I am saved to share the gospel. He goes on, for this gospel, I was appointed a herald. What does a herald do? They They announce things. Uh, I, I think of uh, uh, back in the day, uh, newsboys standing on a busy corner selling newspaper and shouting the, the headline of the day. Paul says, it says, for the gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. So I am created for ministry, the Bible says. I am saved to share the gospel. And one of the things that I've had to examine in my life recently is that if I have no desire to share the gospel, to share what God has done in my life and what he's doing in my life, then, and I don't have a desire to serve others, then I have to question whether or not Jesus is really Lord in my life. Because the Bible says God created us and he saved us for ministry and to share the gospel. I wrote in my notes, a saved heart is one that wants to share and wants to serve. A saved heart is one that wants to share and wants to serve. Have you ever wondered why God, when we give our life to Jesus, doesn't just take us immediately to be with him in heaven? Why, why does he leave us on this side of eternity once we've been, once we've been saved? Uh, the reason is because he wants us to share and he wants us to serve. He wants us to make a contribution with our life. So I was created for ministry. I am saved to share the gospel. And number three, I am commanded to let my light shine. I am commanded to let my light shine. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Talking to Christ, talking to his followers, talking to his disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and, and gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, look here, let your light shine before men. Let your life have impact. Let your ministry be made known. Let your hope be shared. He said, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Listen, church, regardless of your career or your job, we are commanded, or your place, of, or your place in life, we are commanded to let our light shine for Jesus with our words and with our actions and with our life. You know, one thing I've learned is that there are no insignificant lights within the kingdom of God. You know what the most important light is in my home? 
We just renovated our house a few months ago and we put some new fixtures up and right in our doorway, we put a nice fixture that my wife picked out because she's the interior designer and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it, it, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. But you know what the most important light in my house is? That little, that little night light that comes on when I turn my bedroom light off. So that when I get up at night, I don't stub my toe on the corner of the bed or the corner of the dresser. And it's the most significant light in my, light, in, in, in my home. And it's the smallest light in my home. And in the same way, our lives, there are no insignificant lights within the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that at the end of our life, we're going to all stand before God and give an account of the impact of our life. Matter of fact, Romans 14 and verse 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of our life or of himself to God. Please think about the implications of that today, church. The Bible says one day we're all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for our life. Now listen, I, that, for me, that should not be a message of condemnation from God. You know what it should be for us? It should be a message of motivation for us. A message that motivates us that, you know what? I'm important. God saved me. God created me for ministry. God saved me to, to be a herald, to share the good news. And God has commanded me to let my light shine. And here's what I know about people. We're all going to give our lives to something. I know a lot of people who give their life to their careers. I know a lot of people who give their life to a sport or to a hobby. There's a lot of people in our culture today who are chasing fame and fortune. There are a lot of people who are going to give their life to wealth or to building a business or to building a, a financial portfolio. And none of those things are bad in and of themselves. But at the end of the day, none of those things will have eternal consequences or impact that God said is a priority. The only worthy cause is the kingdom of God. And just in case you feel like you don't fit or you can't make a contribution or you can't make a difference, I just want to read to you. I just sat down this week and made a list of some of the main players in scripture. You may or may not recognize some of these people, but their story is very clear. Uh, and you might be saying, Pastor Brian, God could never use me. Listen, Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and all kind of family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered, to say the least. Martha worried all the time. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. Timothy was timid. And this is the group of misfits that God chose to invite into a relationship with him, to be advocates for his kingdom on this side of eternity and to make a significant contribution with their life. You know the question I had to ask myself when I read through, when I sat down with, and just finished, and there's many more that we could add to that. You know the question I asked myself, Brian, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? And there are none. 
Our band's going to come and lead us in one final song. And I want to give you these three declarations one more time just before they come. And I want us to say them out loud together, okay? And I'll, I'll say it first, and I want you to say it and make it personal uh, uh, for you today. And I would challenge you, when you get up tomorrow morning, you ought to say these three things again. You get up on Tuesday, you ought to say these three things and, and make them a part of your daily direct uh, declaration and let God begin to, uh, to fill you with everything that you need to go out and have influence and impact wherever you have the opportunity. All right, so just repeat after me. I am created for ministry. I am, for ministry. I am saved to share the gospel. I am saved to share the gospel. And I am commanded to let my light shine. Let's pray if we can. Can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes? God, thank you for your true word and for the privilege that we have today just to understand a little bit more about your kingdom. And God, I'm just so grateful and thankful that you choose to use people like us to accomplish your will and your plans and your purposes. And God, I don't know anybody's heart and life here today, but you know all of ours. And Lord, I know... Uh, at a minimum, there's a contribution that you want us to make with our lives. And so, God, I'm asking you today to speak to us and show us what that looks like. Lord, help us to wake up tomorrow with these three things on our mind and look for opportunities for, uh, for influence and impact and, and to make a contribution with our lives. Thank you that you invite us into your kingdom. God, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you in a personal way, I pray today would be the day they would say, Lord... I don't know everything about you, but I, I trust that you are God. And I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to help me to live life in a way that would honor and glorify you. And I'm asking you to take me to a perfect place called heaven one of these days. And Lord, if that's the attitude of somebody's heart today, either on campus or online, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, will you just invade their life with your power and your presence and you would show up in a big way. And give them a peace and a grace that only you can give them today. Lord, use us this week uh, as agents on assignment in your kingdom to make a difference with those that we encounter. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that you do in us and through us. For it's in your name I pray and ask these things. Amen.